you have your Bible, you can turn to Titus, third chapter. We'll be looking at verses 3 to 7. Titus, third chapter. These are one of the letters known as the pastoral epistle that Paul has written. This is in a letter to Titus. We'll be looking at chapter 3, found in the New Testament. We'll begin reading at verse 3. God's awesome word says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I'm going to go back to verse 3 and 4. It says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared. I'm going to label this message this morning. God is my salvation. Has there been a time you were in trouble? You could not help yourselves. It might have been something or someone that helped to save you. You might have been walking down the stairs and you stumbled and fell, but you grabbed that rail and it saves you from falling down the stairs. You you might have been walking and you might have stumbled and fell, but you just so happened to miss that table and landed in a safe place. Or you might have been walking by somebody. You tripped and they caught you so you wouldn't have failed. And those people saved you. What did they do? They temporarily, rarely saved you from a harm that could have beset you. But yet the key thing was temporarily. They just temporarily kept you out of harm's way. 
That rail might not be there the next day you trip down those stairs. That person may not be there the next time you trip and fall. That table might move over a little more inches and it might actually scrape your head. Or maybe that airbag may not work the next time. Or maybe that seatbelt won't be buckled so tight the next time. Maybe that car won't turn over that extra time so you will land safely. Maybe. But I want you to know that God is. My salvation is your salvation because God will always be there. God will never fall short. His arm is not too short. His ears are not too dull. He can step right on in. Not only is God my salvation, God is the act of salvation. Look here in the Bible. We see here Paul talking about that we too. Now you might be saying I don't act that way. Well, then you need to talk to yourself a little bit longer. If we get caught up thinking that I was never deceived, I did not disobey, I I never hated anybody before, nor did anybody hate me, well, obviously you don't know yourself very well. Because I guarantee you can go down your yearbook. You can look at your places of employment, and I bet you can find somebody who does not really like you who may be talking bad about you. It might be somebody that you don't like yourself, that you're working on. I, I, I know I got my issues. There's some people that I have problems that I got to be careful that I don't get angry at them and treat them with malice because I, too, got caught up living in the world. Why was I caught up living in the world? Why? Because the world had me enslaved. I was in bondage. But I'm glad that there's a redeemer. I'm glad that there is a savior. I'm glad that the Lord is my light and my salvation. I'm glad that he can come in and clear up the confusion. See, not only did God come to save us, but he came to save us from a reprobate mind. So no longer will I be confused. Confused of what? Confused of what is right and what is wrong. The world gives us the idea of how you should have a relationship. The world is saying it's okay for same sexes to marry. The world is saying it's okay for you to get drunk as long as you do it in your house and you don't drive. I think I'm talking to somebody here. You see, the world gives us ideas of how we can get around. Because why? If I don't hurt somebody else, it doesn't matter if I hurt myself. But yet God is not just concerned about everybody else. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about how well you treat yourself. He's concerned how much you love yourself. Because why? He says for you to love your neighbors as you love yourself. I don't know about you, but there's some times in my days, in my life, that I don't love Sam very much. And how, how is it that I don't love Sam very much? Well, Sam doesn't eat right every day. Sam may not brush his teeth when he should brush his teeth. That's why Sam has some cavities, y'all, you know what I'm saying? You know, Sam may not exercise when he needs to exercise. Then he gets stressed out. Why is he stressed out? Well, maybe he worked out a little bit. He might be exercising that blood or releasing that stress, releasing. But yet we get concerned about, I'm just going to be lazy today. My favorite show's on. It's too cold outside. I didn't get a good enough rest, so I shouldn't get up early this morning. Uh, I don't feel like going to work, so I'm going to call in sick. But I'm not really sick, but I'm going to call in sick anyway. 
But if they catch me afterward, I'll tell them I got better. That's why you see me out. I'll see you tomorrow. You see, we get caught up thinking how we can live our own lives. But yet we need to understand that God has not called us to live a life unto ourselves but unto him. He saved us to free us of our mind from foolishness, from disobedience, being deceived. God is truth. Satan is the father of lies. And how do you confuse people and lies? You mix up a little bit of what they know to be true with a false result. You mix up what they know to be true with a false result. How is that? Well, People say in relationships, if you love me, you will do this for me. Saying that if it's true, if you do love me, you will do this for me. But yet, what is this? Why does this have to be done now? Oftentimes in relationships, say, let's go to that next level. Sleep with me. Well, that's not the next level. The next level is you to propose to me. That's the next level. Are you willing to make a commitment before you want to commit to my body? I I understand you want some pleasure, but I need some commitment. You see, we get caught up with what the world wants us to say is okay, but we're not listening to God. God says you ought to be married first. I, I believe that's what the Bible says. But yet in the world it says, well, as long as you stay with each other, they talk about having monogamous relationships. You see, they try to say how you can stop the spread of AIDS by just being monogamous. They don't say about being married. So I'll be monogamous for this month. The next month I'll choose somebody else. You see, we get confused living in this world. This world confuses it and makes it okay. It's so commonplace that we just accept it nowadays and we don't speak against the falseness of this world. But yet when we stand up for God's truth and we come to people in love, it's easier for them to understand. Why? Because God came to us in love. God did not come to beat us over the head. He did not come to make you feel low and, 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 and worse about yourself. But it says, but after that, he, the kindness and love of God, I say, you see, there's a but in there. The but is, is that before you was acting a fool, before you were being disobedient, Before you were consumed, you were enslaved in your mind. But look, Jesus came to free you. Jesus says who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus came to free you of your mind. So you'll no longer be a slave to sin, but yet you'll be a slave to him. But yet truly, if you're a slave to Jesus, truly you're free. He'll free your mind of lust, free your mind of alcoholism, free your mind of malice and and discontent. Because why? He'll say, look, I got so much more for you. See, we get angry with people because we feel they owe us something. We we lust after people because we want to please ourselves. But yet these are empty pleasures. See, God did not only free our mind, but he freed our hearts. Freed us with being enslaved to all kind of passions and pleasures that we want to gratify. Think about how people have empty relationships. They have empty relationships because there's no basis in the relationship. It's nothing but passion. It's nothing but something physical. You know, you, you, you see, that's one part of it. That's why we like dogs. Dogs are physical companions. They can't be there for you when you're low. They can't encourage you with a bark. 
They can't pray over you when you're depressed. They can't encourage you when your mama passed away. But yet they can be that physical companion to lick your face and make you feel good. They can bring your slippers to you when you're cold. They, they can do those kind of things, but yet they can't communicate to you, I love you. But yet the physicalness of them show you that I love you. That's why we deal with that kind of animal passion sometimes that all we want is just to make somebody else to pat us on the back to make us feel good, but that's temporary. But God will give you eternal satisfaction. Tell somebody, God will give you eternal satisfaction. And look at him with a smile saying, satisfaction guaranteed. You don't need to worry about your receipt. You don't need to worry about putting that policy somewhere locked up. It's guaranteed. God keeps good books. God knows the record. And guess what? If you forget, he'll just remind you. God freed our hearts. So no longer would be lost living in sin. How did he free us? What, what, what happened so that we would be free? I'm glad you asked that question. But after the kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared. What did appear? What did appear? Or who did appear? I'm glad you're asking these questions. Who was it? It was Jesus. We could not save ourselves. Think about it. You fell down those stairs. You grabbed that rail. You couldn't save yourself. That rail saved you. Somebody saw you falling. They caught you. You couldn't save yourself. That person saved you. You saw a car. You hit the brakes. You did not stop. But the airbag saved you from going through that windshield. I wish I had a witness here because I could testify that. I did not know where a Dodge Ram truck was coming when I was going around Big Hollow. But glory be to God. All I saw was white stuff in front of my face. I closed closed my eyes, I woke up, I saw smoke, and I was still here. My, tr- my car slid under the truck. People thought I hit my head on the windshield because I came out smiling. And I came out smiling because I was walking. I came out smiling because I realized that it wasn't the airbag that saved me. I came out smiling because I realized it wasn't a seatbelt that kept me. I came out smiling and realized it wasn't a, how well the car was constructed that kept me, but it was Jesus. He's the one that kept me. He's the one that sustained me. He is my salvation. He is my strength. See, I realized that I could not save myself, and I'm so glad God did not wait on me to figure it out. He just already did it. While you are still confused, while you are still lying, Still cheating, still gossiping, still hating on somebody else, and they hating on you. God was still loving you. I'm glad that God does not treat us the way we treat others. And catch this, I'm glad that God does not treat us the way we treat him. Because I know I'm not consistent myself in treating God the way he should be treated. Every morning, the first things on my lip is not, thank you, Jesus. Sometimes it's just, Lord, I wish I could give me some more sleep. But it's every time I wake up, I need to realize that, Lord, it was you that kept me. It was you that kept me rocking in your arms all night long. It was you that opened up my eyes. It wasn't the electricity that went to my alarm clock that went beep, beep. But, Father, it was you said, my son's asleep. Let me wake him up this morning. 
God's grace, his unmerited favor, he giving us a gift we do not deserve. What do you deserve? I want you to know what you do deserve. You deserve death. You deserve depression. You deserve punishment. But yet God's grace showed up. It appeared in flesh, fully God, fully man. God decided that I realize you can't save yourself. And since you can't save yourself, you're probably so lost, you, you, you know you need some help. But I'm going to come on down to help you out anyway. Not because you asked me to, not because you paid me, not because you did anything special, but just because I love you. Just because I care about you. Just because I made you for my glory. Just because I call you my own. Just because I said so, so therefore I will. And because of his awesome grace. Look at this here. Not by works, verse 5, of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Your grace and your mercy brought me through. I'm glad that God knows that we could not do it on our own. So he said, look, I won't punish you what you deserve, but I'm going to show compassion towards you. Means is that I see the need and I'll meet that need. I see you in despair. I will give you love and lift you up. I see you alone, but guess what? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, the comforter to comfort you. Why? Because you confess my son, your Lord, my Savior. When we confess Jesus, our vision clears up. You once were lost. You once were blind. You once were de deceived. But yet it's just like, you see, I, I wear glasses because I can't see far away. So I got to put them on so my vision can clear up. But without my glasses, I'm in a whole hurt of trouble. You can put up your fingers. You can wave at me. I won't see you. I just see blurs moving back and forth. And I say, God bless you. How you doing? But yet, I'm glad that in the state of my confusion, in the state of my blurriness, that there's some correction for my eyes. Not because I made them. I did not create these. Don't know how to make them. I, I know how to pay for them, but I, I don't know how to make them. If I knew how to make them, I wouldn't pay for them, but I, could, but I had to make them. Not only could I pay for them, I had to get a job so I could pay for them. But yet there's a father that realized that we were such in a way that we could not see him clearly, that he sent somebody that we can see. And when we see him, we see the father. And that somebody, it's just not uh, anybody, but that somebody is Jesus, uh, the name above all names. That The one that came and said, look, Father, because they know me, they will get to know you. And Father, because they will confess Jesus, uh, you will confess them, your children. Say, Father, because I died on the cross for their sins, I paid the price they could not pay. And, and because we have confessed Jesus, because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and I'm glad he did not stay dead because he got up from the grave and when he defeated death he said Lord look I defeated death no longer do they got to suffer and die and receive a great punishment but father they can receive your grace and your mercy God is my salvation 
God's work of salvation is through Jesus. It's by grace that we have been saved, not by works, so that no man can boast. What does this mean? This means is that God did not save us out of obligation. What do it mean by obligation? It means when you go to work, you punch in, you punch out, they are obligated to pay you. What have you done for God that he's obligated to give to you? What can you give to God that he does not already have? How can you pay back who has everything? That's how great of a debt we owe. You may finally paid off the mortgage on your house, but still you got bills to come. You might have finally paid off that wedding ring, but still there's some trials to come. You might have finally paid off that car, but that car's going to wear out. We could never, ever meet the requirements to pay the toll of our debt. But I'm glad that there's somebody that appeared, that showed up, that stepped right in. And he came to pay a price that we could not pay. He came so we could seek God forevermore. You see what the Bible says? It says, look. Look at verse 7. All things sown thyself. I'm sorry, I'm in chapter. Let me go back to chapter 3. Yeah. In verse 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made what? Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Where does this hope come from? This hope comes from our faith being placed in God. And I want you to understand that when we call on God, we call on God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. I want to clarify that for you because there's some people that call on God, but they don't know Jesus. There's some people that call on God, but they don't know my Savior. There's some people that call on God, but they don't know my Redeemer. There's some people that call on God, but they don't know the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There's some people that call on God, but they don't know that name, Joshua. The Lord saves. In the Greek, it's Jesus. We say Messiah, or we say Christ. What are we saying? He is the chosen one, the anointed one. He's the only one that has brought me through. I, I wish I had some help this morning. Can anybody here testify, realizing that I called on some other names, but they did not show up. But when I called on Jesus, he did not only show up, but he came and saved me. He did not just look and ask me, what is the problem? He came to solve the problem. He did not look in my situation and say, you got a mess there. He looked at my situation and said, I can clean you up. I can pick you up. I can turn you around. I can renew your mind. I can change your heart. I can put a healing in the hole you have because only I can feel it. You go on to the world, the world has let you down. But I will never, ever, 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 ever let you down because my word is faithful unto the end. I told you I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. What I say will happen and what I say will go. I am Redeemer. I am your Savior. I have paid the price. This is Jesus letting you know, if you confess me before all men, I will confess you before my Father. And catch this while I'm talking to 
my father. I'm saying, Father, prepare a place for you. <laughs> prepare a place for you. Because, Father, you know I'm coming back again. And when I come back, I'm going to take you there with me. You need to know who Jesus is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You can't work your way into heaven. Good enough is just not good enough. But good God from Zion, a good God showed up, and he surely showed out. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. They pierced his hands, and they pierced his feet. They said he was king of kings and lord of lords, but they were mocking him. But I confess him, my king, my lord, my savior, my redeemer. I'm glad that Jesus on the cross and father forgive them for they know not what they do. You may be lost. You may be confused. You may be hating on somebody and they're hating on you, but you don't need them. And believe me, you don't need them. But who you need is Jesus. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is our redeemer. He'll save us from this wretched world that's going to pass away. And I'm glad that when glory appears, he'll save us again from this world that will be destroyed and place us in a new Jerusalem, a new heaven. We'll be walking on streets of gold, singing hallelujah, hallelujah, by and by. Is it your light? Is it your salvation? I just want to close with this. 1 Corinthians 15 chapter. Verse 54 to 58. I get excited when I read this verse. Paul is making clear what's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. First Corinthians 15 chapter. Looking at verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a word of encouragement to you. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want you to grab this and hold on to this. Your work cannot save you, but hold on and do the work of the Lord. Your work will not redeem you, but just hold on and do the work of the Lord. Because a change is going to come. This body is going to pass away. But in a twinkling of an eye, the dead will rise up. And those that are living will all be changed and caught up in Christ. And forever and forevermore will be with glory. But that's only when you place your faith in Jesus. There's no other name you can call on and be saved. There's no other Redeemer. There's no other Savior. And I'm glad that God's grace 
appear to us in flesh. In Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Father, we come to you right now, God. Thank you for being our salvation. Thank you for stepping in and saving us, God, because we could not save ourselves. We thank you that Jesus paid an awesome price that we could never, ever pay to you. Father, we thank you that his death is permanent and eternal for to forever to set us just before you. Because, Father, you do not see us no longer in our sins. But now, Father, through Jesus, you see us and you call us righteous. And through Jesus, God, we are heirs to the kingdom of heaven. Father, if there's someone here who has not confessed Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, Father, in your word, it says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has risen him from the dead, you shall be saved. Father, we want to leave that person or those people right now in this prayer. If that's you, just repeat after me saying, Dear Lord Jesus, that's right, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that God rose you again from the grave on the third day. And Jesus, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and I want to turn and live my life better for you. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray. With every head bowed, every eyes closed still, if if that was you, you pray that prayer for the first time, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Right now, if you're looking for a church home, we want to pray this prayer for you. Father, if Zion is that place for me to come to grow, for me to mature, for me to be the awesome man or woman and child of God, you call me to be, Father. Lord, I'm excited that I can join today and, Lord, and get on the battlefield for you and do your kingdom work and work out into this community to help build a better community, to help encourage others, Father, to know that there is hope, there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. Father, we thank you, God, for your awesome word. We celebrate Christ, Father, for he has redeemed us. And, Father, let us leave this place to serve you and to give you glory and give you honor and to turn from our wicked ways. In Jesus' magnificent name we pray. Let church say, amen. May we stand as we extend a hand of discipleship.